right, David, let's kick it off with the question that if I were to ask you when you were eight, you would have said never, but how did you accidentally fall into franchising? Oh, great question. All right. So 2014, I was working at a, a dead end job, turned out to be a dead end job. It was a business, uh, family business. And my father came to me and he said, you got to go find something that you can enjoy and want success in. So I uh, went knocking on doors and actually I found Odeer Development and uh, I'd known about them for a number of years. I knew Kurt, the founder, and I said, you know what? I think I'm ready to jump in. Let's see where this goes. And I, I went after it because I knew there was a system. There was something I could fall back on and I could pick up the phone and talk to the, the franchisors of like, if there's a question, problem, concern, or just how are you doing? Um, and that's how I got into franchising. Okay. So you, you fall into this. Yes. And on day one, you're like, okay, now, now I'm going to take over franchise development. At that point, do you, do you understand what an FDD is? Do you understand disclosure periods? Like, are you like jumping into this full force and trying to figure this thing out on the fly? So I, I was a franchisee. Um, in 2014, in 2020, I joined the franchise development team. Got it. So I knew of the FDD. I knew of the 14 day waiting period, but I was a franchisee, so I could talk to anyone about anything. And then all of a sudden it was, Hey, we're interviewing, by the way, you can't talk to, you can't talk about, I'm like, Oh man. And I think our, my Kurt and Colleen, the founders, and we all looked at each other and we're like, hmm, well, he's an owner now. He's part of the development team. Did we make the right decision? Because now he can't talk to perspectives right. on multiple levels. Yeah. I think overall, we made the right decision. Um, we just have to go about it in different ways now, follow, you know, follow really strict the guidelines. Okay, so we got we got to go a little bit further back then because the fact that you didn't fall into development, you fell in as a franchisee. So you're at a dead, you're at, you're at a dead end job. Mm -hmm. Your family's like you got you got to find happiness and whatever. Uh, so if you go back to that moment, did you look at other brands? Did you think of other categories, or were you like this? This is it. So what I looked at was I wanted recurring business. Um, I had a background in hospitality. I know spinning diner seats wasn't going to do it, but I looked at that. I looked at trash, just buying a trash company because I have my commercial driver's license. It was like a perfect fit for me. Um, and then in the town that I was working in at the time, there were two mosquito companies. There was Odeer and there was another company. And both of them were growing substantially every year. And for four to five years, I watched that happen, but I continually saw that Odeer was doing work in the winter, which in the Northeast, we, sh we shut down. So try, you know, I kind of looked into that and it was deer control. No one's doing deer control. This will keep my books open. This will keep my business floating. I can definitely get into this. Um, but I also wanted something that I didn't have to do. I'm not someone, I'm someone that I want to know how to do it but I don't want to be doing the thing for the rest of my life. I want to build the business around it. Right. So that's how I went after it is I went after 
I can do the thing. I'm competent in doing the thing. Um, but let me do it so that I can grow it and scale it. Uh, how so, did you how did you finance the business when you started? Ooh, uh, personal debt from personal uh, money in my pocket, but then I took a family loan, a small family loan, and made an agreement that it would be paid back within 24 months, and I paid it back in under two years. Correct. So, like, I, and I, I think to to those moments, and I've, I've talked with some other people about this. Like when I started my company, I had I had eight thousand dollars to to invest into it. Now, what what the eight grand didn't account for was it didn't account for my grit and hustle, which is is a amazing thing to have when you're in business because it, it almost keeps you dumb enough to look at the scary things. But oh, you'll just go straight towards it. That's it. Yeah. And so that crazy, I would imagine that was your currency when you started. Because if you're in sales now, that means you always had it. You were just trying to find the the pathway to to build it. So let's, I'm going to back up a little further. Yeah. Uh, 2014, I'm about to get married in July. I had a house and I went to my fiance at the time and said, Hey, you know, I'm going to leave my gainfully employed job. I'm going to buy a business. But the only way we can do this is if we move into your parents' summer house an hour and a half away from where we are right now. Does this sound like a good idea? Oh, yeah. And I got to sell my house. And I got to figure out how to float this entire thing until next sprint. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was kind of crazy. My, you know, my in-laws said, yeah, we'll, we'll allow you guys to do that. We made an agreement to live in their house and, and you know, cover expenses. Um, and we, we didn't turn back. Um, but it was the crazy, it was the working my full-time job from whatever, seven thirty to four and then working six to 10 at night. And it is, I see a lot of folks in franchising come in or, or any business come in and they say, great, I'm going to get a hold of this. I'm going to do it. But then they don't realize that you're, you're used to working nine to five. You're now working five to nine, but it's 5 a.m. until 9 p.m. And they may not want the hustle and grind. And I'm not someone that wants to sit here and say, you got to hustle and grind and beat yourself down. It's you got to be strategic about how you're going to hustle and grind. Um, But you have to have that in you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, like the 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 negative of franchising, right? Especially, Mm -hmm. Especially in today's world, when franchise fees have skyrocketed to offset broker expenses in many, in many, many uh, franchise or scenarios. Yeah. And so what that does, like for someone like you or I that are willing to put in the hustle and the time to build something, it actually puts another barrier of entry because oftentimes we can't even have, I I could not have afforded a franchise fee. Like franchising wasn't going to be the business for me, even though I I was going to out hustle everybody in franchising. So it's almost like the franchisor that figures out how to allow, like almost measure for grit and hustle what you had is going to be the franchisor that is the strongest franchise franchise system because they're they're banking the the line is they're you know they're they're betting on the jockey not on the horse. 
Yeah, um, I mean, we we certainly have our franchise fee has certainly gone up, and you've mentioned some good points about like why it has to why it had to go up, um, but also to compete in the market. You know, we do want that price to be a little higher, just so you know we're fending off some people. Um, you know, when interest rates are really low, it wasn't that bad getting an SBA loan to be able to get some of that financed. Um, at this point, it, yeah, you have to have the dollars. What what I find is the folks that are willing to say, I, I want it. I want to change my life. I have to do this for my brother. I have to do it for my family. Um, I can't stay where I am. Those have been our most successful franchisees. Oh, yeah. And they put the sweat, blood, the tears on the line to get it done. And they don't make excuses of why something didn't work. They say, whoa, that didn't work. Why? And then they figure out why. And then they, you know, go back to the drawing table and how we're going to make it better. Yeah. You know, I think that the, those mentality, those stories, those people who have turned a tough moment in life into fuel uh, for business or career or whatever, it could be run, running a marathon. They end up like that secret sauce ends up being so important because business ownership is scary and franchising is, is, is even scarier because you're owning a brand that you don't have any control over. You're there to operate it. And so when you add the, all those complexities in there, it's almost like you need that degree of crazy. And it's funny because, I mean, we're, our company is in the business of studying viability and then marketing it depending on what the franchisor is. And as you're talking, I, I think through all of the traits that we look for in franchisees, and the grit and hustle is sometimes mixed in there. It's almost like that has to come first because if that doesn't, then when franchisor X says, you know, go, go spend your 2% on marketing, they're like, uh-huh. And then they, they don't spend it. Like, yeah, no problem. I'll do that. That sounds good. And then it doesn't happen. And then we're looking at each other going, why didn't you grow or what happened? Oh yeah. I didn't think it was serious or I didn't have the dollars. It's like, well, we got to find the dollars. We, right. we got to make this happen. You have to put some skin in the game to make that thing work. You know, I, I find that folks that sometimes have a business and they're running it and then they say, Hey, I'm going to get into franchising. I love what Dave's done. I love what Kurt Colleen have done a couple of our other franchise. Like, yeah, I want to do that. But then they don't realize, and they come to my shop and, you know, I have a, I've got a pretty expansive shop. Um, and they come to it and they're like, this is what I want. And it's like, okay, um, you've been running a business with 50 clients for 20 years. You're interested in high ticket, high, low volume. Our industries, lower ticket, higher volume. You can't necessarily go to Mexico in May or June. You have to be in this, you got to be, you know, in the driver's seat at that point. And getting some of those guys to flip direction is, can, can be difficult. We know they had the hustle and grind to get their business off the ground, but they're at a different stage in life. You know, they're on the other side of it where they want to relax and enjoy their 50 clients in high end. They don't necessarily want to, you know, be, be out pulling a hose, uh, you know, dealing with a thousand clients. So how did, how did you approach scale? Like you obviously grew your business locally, but did you expand it territory wise? Yes. Okay. So I went after, um, it was in 2014, got my unit, 2016, I was brought in on one other unit close by. Um, and it was 
an investor that came in and said, hey, he wants it. He needs an operator. And, and I came to be. What I found with that is it was a great connection for me, but it wasn't perfect because I didn't have the revenue to support a second unit. I didn't have the ability their time because I was still much in the field. Since then, gotten out of the field, put some good people in charge in my businesses to manage my multiple locations. I currently am ownership in four units. Um, most of them are run out of my, my main office. And then we have sub locations. Um, the scaling came to it in 2019. I, I looked at my revenue and I looked at my profit and I said, all right, I spent X dollars in advertising this year and I grew by X dollars or X percent. If I were to, if I were to take that same amount, of, if I were to double my marketing, let's say it was 40,000. If I were to take $40,000 out of my bank account today, like I didn't have it, would my life change? And I said, no, my business wouldn't change. So I, what if I had used that 40,000 and put it back in my marketing time and doubled my advertising to 80? What's the worst that would happen? I'd be in the same financial situation I'm in today, or I could have doubled my, my new clients. So we did that in 2020 through COVID and we scaled. We, we figured it out. And we just said, wow, we started measuring every single dime we spent, every client we talked to, converted, didn't convert, canceled, agreed, you know, recurred, whatever it was, we understood our recurring ratios, we understood our attrition, and we just ran with it. And we haven't stopped. So owning owning the franchise as a franchisee, selling the franchise as the franchisor because you went through everything from starting with nothing, risking your entire, the financial health of your entire family, uh, hustling, figuring out scale, spending on marketing, all that juice. Does that mean that when a candidate's coming in, it's not overly hard to sell? Cause you're like, I can tell you what my blueprint was. You know, I can, I can tell them what my blueprint was and what I did. I don't know if it was necessarily perfect, but what I can, I can show them our, our growth and what we've done and how we've done it just through a tour through my shop with just photos of this is where we were year one. And, um, I don't feel it's a hard thing, honestly, to sell, but I need the right person that understands that we're doing uh, a smaller average ticket stop but we're doing a really high average client value over a season. So I need them to be able to understand that it's a volume game and that you're not going to start off with a full truck right off the bat. You're going to have a truck that you have to build over time. Where if we look at, let's say a garage floor coating company, they go out and they do a $3,500 job in a day. They've done 3,500. Well, if your average ticket is $100 in Ticket Mosquito, you need 35 clients to do that. So you need volume. So it takes some time to get that. But once you have that bandwidth, it's just adding on. And it's understanding that portion at the beginning of it takes time to add your clients. Once you've added them, they're there for life. You're not looking for that $3,500 job every day. You're looking for a consistent amount of clients every day, every week, every month, and then you're just servicing them 
and you just continually service them. You know, it, what's awesome about your story and your approach uh, is that that's franchising. Now, I, I mean this in the nicest way. Your, your website misses everything that you just said. It's like you are, you're so impactful in your approach. I can come back here, like grow your business. And there's a guy, you can't see his face and he looks like he's watering trees. Yep. I mean, it's like, no. And it, the recipe for success is not that. The recipe for success is you are in a dead end job. You wanted to build a greater moment for your family and you built wealth. Here's, here's David's story. Does this connect with you as a human being? And automatically people can read that. Cause like the, the reality is you're, you're in a great, great segment, uh, you know, call it the mid early two thousands is when mosquito brands started taking off. And then the, the benefit of the benefit of like the Zika's or the West Niles, like there was enough things that were happening to humans that said, yeah, this is not something you just want to kill. You actually don't, you don't want it in your life. And then the ticks. So like the products that you service, like the customer knows that they don't want that crap, but the yeah, so model is so big. And we are doing a revamp on our website. So, yeah. you know, sometimes it's one of these, like, we got to get something out there. We do it, we yeah. follow advisors. And then we look back and we're like, but it's not our story, which is what you've heard our story is. And if you, if you speak to our, our founder, Kurt, yeah. and you heard his story, it's the same thing. He was sick and tired of putting a shovel in the ground. Yeah. You look at another gentleman who was working at a hotel, another guy working at Raytheon, another guy, you know, doing uh, consulting with HR, um, some of which of these guys are current were employees of, of the founder. Um, some of them aren't. And it was the, the industry, obviously it's, it's taken off since 2000, everyone in there, you know, all the big, big franchisors are for mosquito are sold out at this point. Yeah. They're all chemical. They're all, you know, the differentiating, we don't see the guy in this photo, but we see how we spray, which everyone is typically with a backpack. We're not. And most folks are considered concerned about mosquitoes. Our major thing is we got to kill ticks, Lyme disease. You know, that used to be the scary one. There's now way worse ones that people, you know, are afraid of. And it's mosquitoes definitely we want to get rid of as well. But we can do, we can give you a solid control with both. Yeah. Um, with an all natural product. If you look at the market, everyone's a chemical. Everyone's a straight chemical. Ours is all, all fit fit for 25B, so they're minimum risk based off the federal government, um, which allows us to spray in areas that a lot of people can't spray. Yeah, I mean, there, there's your message. I mean, the, you're you're saying like part of part of what you're trying to say or sell every franchise sells this. I've always said this, that it's not like franchise marketing and consumer marketing are not are not supposed to be different. When you can position right. what the consumer story is, then to the next David, David's like, ooh, I know how to sell that. That's that's an easy thing for me to sell. It's part of the magic of doing this. So, I mean, I I, I agree with you. I mean, a long, long, long time ago, uh, we got we got Mosquito Joe yep. at unit unit one. Uh, we grew them, we were their marketing firm until until the point of point of sale to at that point Dwyer Group, now neighborly. Yep. Um along that ride. Like all we were doing is showing the magic of what you can sell to the to the consumer and franchisees were buying in like crazy because they they saw the pathway. 
brands like that sell out, but brands like that can't be the only one that services a community. And that's where I, I see a perfect, uh, perfect pathway for it. And look, if this, if this doesn't work out, like I, I'd love the name. I was like, that could be like a, a restoration company. Cause Oh dear, you spilled something on the, on the, on the floor. Like there's so many things that you can build with Oh dear. So that's, that's a, that's a good thing too. Right. Right. All right. So if I said, what's your, why you, why now, how would you answer that? why you why me why now for the brand. Uh, yeah so for the brand uh it's all natural all the time huge huge thing we know that gen z's right now millennials they all want to spend they all will spend more money for an all natural so provide it offer it only do it um why now i have we have the availability we're structured to grow we have the support we've got the training we've got the successful units validation um and it's only it's it's going to get better we're looking at like five to ten years of serious growth in the industry and then there's most likely going to be consolidation between some of the bigger guys or some are going to disappear um there are a lot of small guys that pop up if you know but it's not you don't get the support you don't get the brand you don't get all the marketing in the 2007s when they started so what's that 15 16 years 17 years of technology relationships marketing knowing the client yeah so all natural all the time the market is booming for this uh we're expecting only to grow over the next foreseeable future how many units do you guys have right now you know what i should have checked that it's either 14 or 15. we've had some some, some consolidation i've always i've picked up uh one of them uh we had a couple of units not renewed due to medical issues mm -hmm. which is it was uh you know it's unfortunate to see but it's yeah. also, you know, it's the best thing for them and the best thing for us yeah. um, because they need to worry about their health. So, Well, look, I think, uh, first of all, lo love your story. Uh, didn't know that we're going to dive into the franchisee side, uh, but that that is, in my opinion, why franchising exists. I mean, it's 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 bit, the franchisor will always do do what they'll do, but to take someone who's willing to risk their life savings uh, for a business that they have little to no control over is uh, impressive in its own. And the fact that you've walked many, many, many days in those shoes is pretty cool. So thanks for sharing your story. really appreciate it. I appreciate that. Not a problem. I'm David, I'm Nick. This is another episode of Meet the Zor with an asterisk, Meet the Z too. Like we got both of them in on this episode. Certainly. <laughs>